We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. Welcome into another Three Mod Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young of K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer from the Manhattan Mercury. We have all turned the page, officially turning the page, no more Oklahoma, all Texas Tech. Red Raider preview here today. Uh, so we'll get Cole's deep dive on Texas Tech, our lead pipe locks of the week, everything you've come to know and love in these preview episodes, starting with the headlines in just a moment. But first, shout out to 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery. Also, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, whichever poison you prefer, make sure you get stocked up this weekend. Home game, it's 11 a.m., 360 Vodka, perfect for some Bloody Marys out of Bill Snyder Family Stadium if you want to go tailgate before the game. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be able to be there in Manhattan, but if you're kicking back at home, that's that's much easier, you know? Get a multi-TV setup, get a bunch of games going, and get your Ben Holiday bottle and Bond Bourbon on. Another great way to do it. So, Holiday Distillery, K-State folks that have done a great job supporting our podcast, so support them as well, please. First headline for me is going to be this week the fact that uh, everybody has to do what I just mentioned we're doing, and that is put the Oklahoma game behind you. And this goes two ways because Texas Tech just had a massive statement, programming, defining kind of win early on for Joey McGuire. And Chris Kleiman even said as much in his press conference that it was a a statement win for Joey McGuire early on in his career. First time they've beaten Texas at home since 2008. K-State obviously has been very used to beating Oklahoma, but that still is a a huge win for the program. So how likely is it, boys, that K-State is going to handle this all right after uh, we did not see the Cats handle the Missouri win very well earlier this year? Yeah, I I think they do handle it well just because they went through it already once before this season. And I know people will be like, but it was Missouri, right? They're not exactly a, a flattering team to watch at this point. But then again, that was an emotional you know, expenditure type of game, uh, especially the celebration afterwards, and you're kind of basking in it. So I, I still think it had the same effect. And going through that, I I think that uh, with the maturity that this team supposedly has uh, that got tested the first time and they failed that test, um, I think they pass it this time. I don't see them making the same mistake twice. Yeah, I agree, D.Y., um... I think we hit on at the very end of our last episode that because of the maturity of this football team and the fact that they've been through it before with what happened in the Tulane game following Missouri, that they won't let that happen again. Uh, I think they've reset now and they have a clear understanding that each week, any given week, you can be beat in this league and they know Texas Tech is a, a rock solid opponent. And I think the, you know, Texas Tech beating Texas, I'm sure makes it much easier for Kansas State's coaches to get the attention of the players on the team as well. Uh, one of the top teams in this league that Texas Tech just defeated. So I'm sure that grabs the attention of the team. Uh, I think they're going to come in locked in, focused, ready to go and and start to build off that Oklahoma win. So I'm not that concerned about that. I mean, it will be a mindset type of game and who comes out more focused. I I think Texas Tech might have a little more of a difficult time uh, doing so, just coming off the way they beat Texas in that game and then having to go on the road on top of it. Uh, I, I think they might lack a little less focused than K-State. 
I agree. I think the recipe is there for them to be flat, flatter than maybe than Kansas State, just because that was a win that they haven't had in a long time. Um, Kansas, like you said, Kurtz, Kansas State's kind of used to beating Oklahoma. Um, it's still probably the most impressive win of the climbing era. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not. Uh, there's not a big gap between that and some of the other ones. Uh, this, there's a big gap between that tech win and anything that they've had in, in the recent future. It was at home. They stormed the field. I think that can kind of feed into it as well because the celebration and the, you know, the fan interaction and engagement's a little bit more and kind of can be conducive to a hangover. And then you got to go on the road as uh, Cole's flag kind of. I was going to say, this is not a good omen as we're trying to talk about <laughs> who's, if you're, if you're only listening via podcast, we're trying to talk about who is, who is going to be primed for a letdown here as K-State tries to march toward another Big 12 title and the flag that Cole put up behind him is the 2012 Big 12 champions flag, which is draped over his uh, wedding photo, by the way. And uh, Vanessa getting her revenge because as that was being said, it just started to fall. And uh, now it's been totally ripped off. So it's back to the wedding photo. Vanessa wins. The wife wins. And K-State loses because now there is no more Big 12 championship coming. Yeah. I guess what I was saying before I was rudely interrupted by Cole's championship banner was that, uh, yeah, I think it's more conducive for a hangover when you haven't been through it before, probably in years, and you win the game at home around a lot more fans. You storm the field and then go on the road at 11 a.m. kickoff in Manhattan, Kansas a week later. I think that's just more of a recipe for disaster from the Red Raiders standpoint. And Tech spent, tech spent like the, the last 24 hours like – it was heated on Texas Tech and Texas Twitter, you know, going back and forth with each other about everything that happened on the field. There was the video of a, a fan, like a kid shoving a player. Then there was a, a counter video that at first appeared to show like a Texas player shoving a fan. But then it came out that it was actually the Texas player had been shoved by another fan into a fan. And uh, then the fine came out. So it's just the, the Twitter battle between those two has seemed like kind of a mess uh, which I don't know how much the players actually get into that, but it just there's yeah. been a lot of draw. There's been more lingering effects, I think, from the uh, from the Texas Tech game. Although I will point out, Derek, you said this at the press conference the other day. Like Adrian Martinez has been doing a lot of extra media, right? Now I know he's experienced vet. He's been around for a long time, but he's never had a game like this where he's been the center of attention nationally. And so that that is something else he'll have to deal with now. Is like, hey, everybody's been telling him he's really awesome for the last 48 hours. Uh, can you put that behind you? Yeah, that, that's going to be a task. I will say this, K-State, not nearly the sideshow that's going on between Texas and Texas Tech, but we're still you know, hearing stuff about uh, the you know the obnoxious light show that was going on when during third downs that were kind of annoying. So there's still conversations about that a little bit. And the male cheerleader that apparently really wanted to taunt Adrian Martinez. John, do you remember the uh... – was it the Quincy Morgan touchdown against Nebraska in 2000 when you could see Nebraska's yell leader screaming at Quincy Morgan when he took the, the go-ahead lead to go up 29-28? It reminded me of that. Apparently, these yell leaders just love to get in the face of players. It seems like a really smart thing. Well, also, they, they do it after key plays that have gone against their team. I don't understand that. I mean, that was a Quincy Morgan scored like the game game-clinching touchdown in that one. Now, in fairness, as he was running his route and it was snowing in the end zone, he kind of like slipped into them. So he was actually like right up against them. Not not the case for this gentleman in Norman. Although just not a great day for gentlemen in Norman in general because that hype video that got put out, which was just excellent by K-State after the fact, by the way, had the guy, let me just see if I can recreate, you know, pretend this is uh, pretend this is one of those aluminum, uh, like I, it actually looked like Mick Ultra, which I would have thought, you know, maybe Keystone or uh, Natty Light, something like that. Bushlight, yeah, Bushlight. I feel like that's that's. Well, well, guys, I already got people in my tweets earlier this year when I made a shot at Bushlight and Missouri fans, and we don't want to offend any of our our beer drinking oh, listeners Bush, and their Bush brand. Bushlight is next week. Bushlight is next week. That is what Iowa okay. State drinks. That is what I believe me. We we're, there's going to be a lot of bullets in the chamber about Bushlight next week, right? But for now, it's like a Mick Ultra, you know, aluminum can here, and the guys. Well, boys, Lincoln ain't here anymore. Where he ain't here to just give up, and then just cutting it straight to a twenty-one Savage song, and Adrian Martinez walking out of the locker room. Was, but but did you hear the the very end of it when the, he says we're back <laughs> at the no, very end? 
Yeah, I, at the very end, it shouts, we're back. It's just, it's gold. What, what by do the way, I hope players have moved on from Oklahoma better than we have because we're already well, – Well, <laughs> well yeah. look, I, I, just, I just think about that guy, like, catching a stray in K-State's social media hype video, like, waking up that next morning and, like, oh, All of his well. family and friends are texting him, yeah. But, I mean, just the, the thought process of K-State's social media team to get all of that content and then oh, yeah. actually be able to utilize it because of a win – uh, just makes it all the better. I was one of the best videos. I've watched it four times this morning, guys. KT yeah. Leviston gets me going. Like I wake up every morning and I scream. Like I don't like being doubted. <laughs> I do like Nate Matlack's look at that guy too. Yeah, oh, Nate Matlack, yeah, Nate Matlack's look is also great. Like just everything about it was amazing. Everything about it was amazing. I'm I'm here for more behind the scenes content like that, please. I mean, even. Even Malik Knowles going by and say, walk into your trap, take over your trap. Like that's, I love that. And then uh, Felix with the wink. Felix, Felix, I feel like actively practices his glares. Can we, I mean, we can, we can say that, right? Like he actually, he was, he was doing it when he was uh, in the stands, when he hopped up in the stands and he saw people like running up to take pictures too. Like, I feel like he, well, Very remember the sack game and all the poses? Like he 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 yeah. does great for the camera. Oh, he he knows what he's doing. Yes, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Uh, where where were we at? What was that? Can this team put Oklahoma behind? That was the topic, right? Can this team put Oklahoma? <laughs> That's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't, but hopefully they can. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Texas Tech's the same situation. Uh, all right. On that subject, what about Adrian Martinez? Is this the because I've I've done a couple radio interviews. I was on Sirius XM's Big 12 channel yesterday, and they asked me, like, is this – is this how, how confident should we be that this is a catalyst game for Adrian Martinez and not just a one-off, you know, not just the one time that he really rises up and plays like that? And I thought, well, it, it's, a fair, it's a fair point to ask. I mean, the way the game happened, that was absolutely the best, best-case scenario, having Adrian play like that, hoping that that will be what unlocks his confidence and allows him to continue doing that the rest of the year. But then you have some, like I've seen the, well, this is big game boomer. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I saw his takeaways from the week. He was like, ah, K-State owns Oklahoma, but they'll finish seven and five because Adrian Martinez is up and down. And my initial reaction was to be like, hey, man, like he got it figured out, obviously, in that game. But then I was like, well, I mean, if you, if you look at his season in totality and you're somebody neutral looking at it, I think you would say, yeah, it's been an up and down season for Adrian Martinez. So does that continue or is this is this good? It's fixed. Everything's good. I don't think we know. I mean, I think it's just that simple. I don't think we know. The challenge for him is to now – now, we. I think we all realize he's not going to rattle off 400 yards and five touchdowns every week. I think that's an, uh, a little bit unrealistic of an expectation. But playing well with the mindset that he did, that has to be the mentality week in and week out. We don't know if, if we're going to see that kind of consistency. I will feel – you know, if he does it again this week against uh, Texas Tech, I almost forgot the opponent. Oh, geez, I'm terrible. <laughs> I hope this is not a sign of things to come. If he, if he does it this week against Texas Tech, I will probably be very confident that this is the Adrian that we're getting. Yeah, I would like to see it just uh, one more week here to feel much better about it. But I, I feel pretty good that Adrian's turned over a new leaf because I really feel like it was all mental with him. And now that he's actually put a performance like that together, I think he's unlocked that and that's no longer in his head and he's going to just continue to cut it loose. Now, the the one question that could come and arise is when he does have that first turnover, right? Which he does not have a turnover yet through four games. If he makes a bad decision or a mistake, does that get in his head? Yeah. Maybe he'll just go all year without one. That'd be great. But you know, it's all likely that it's going to happen, obviously. And so you got to wonder about his mindset when that does occur. Hopefully he can play through it. I think the coaches got through to him, feel good about where he's at. He was just so dynamic and special in that game. Um, and, you know, one, one of the things D.Y. had alluded to last week is when we were talking about Adrian unlocking and having a special performance potentially was, you know, do we think he can actually do it? Well, D.Y. had mentioned He's done it before. The talent was there. Like we, we've seen him do this and it just was a matter of getting things unlocked mentally for him. And he did that. And I've, I've rewatched the game now three times, not to go back to Oklahoma, but just like all the different looks that Oklahoma and Venables gave Adrian and how special he really was in the pocket. 
not we talked about navigating the pocket, but his ability to sense pressure when it was coming to and never get sacked in that game was really incredible. Venables brought a five-man rush or more or six guys on 21 of the 39 dropback attempts in that game. And he was bringing cornerback blitzes, dropping the D end into coverage, dropping a D tackle into zone, and then bringing a safety or linebackers. He brought a ton of different stunts and looks. And K-State's offensive line picked it up often. And the times they didn't, Adrian sensed it. And in those five-man or six-man pressures, he went 12 of 19 passing for 120 yards and also scrambled for 62 yards. So just another highlight how incredible he really was in that game. And I think moving forward, he's going to be fine. One thing that stands out to me, and I can't remember, I may have said this on the pod on Monday. I, I have said it a couple times, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple times now, and I can't remember who I said it to and who I didn't. But I'm, when I was rewatching the game and the sideline interview came on with Adrian after the fact, he talked about like the culture at K-State. And I think a lot of people like gravitated toward him saying like, oh, we're building something special here. But what stood out to me about the answer was it was basically the question was like, how were you able to turn this around? And he just said, the culture here is different. And I thought, well, that's something that gives me a lot of hope and, and legitimate optimism that this is going to be a permanent thing that he's turned it on because I took that to be like, Hey man, at Nebraska, it was a pretty toxic environment. Like, especially the last couple of years, fans are already really frustrated. Things are not going well. He's the lightning rod for criticism. Obviously his head coach is, I almost just said something I shouldn't say. He's, He's not the greatest guy to be handling those situations, Mr. Like, I'm going to throw my offensive coordinator under the bus after the first game of the year this year. I'm going to complain about my guys wearing hoodies out there on the field. Like, not exactly the the player's coach kind of guy that's going to love you up like Chris Kleiman is. And, and we've heard so much about the culture here with this team this year. I just think clearly there's a much better environment here to foster, like, loving up Adrian Martinez as opposed to letting him just getting – get eaten alive uh, like he was before or feel an immense amount of pressure. So I just, I feel like the situation here is much more conducive to this being permanent than it would have been at Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, Chris Kleiman will love him up to a fault. Uh, yeah. Really at that point. I'll say this though, if the culture is what they say the culture is, you come back and you beat Texas Tech. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, final Headline here, offensive line injuries starting to get pretty concerning, unfortunately. Uh, Andrew Langang out indefinitely with a medical issue that Chris Kleiman said requires further testing. You've already got Taylor Portier out for the year. Um, I know DYU said Hadley Panzer is a little bit banged up. Like they they just are dealing with a lot. Plus, you've had uh, some guys going in and out between KT Leviston and Cooper Beebe a, a little bit each of the last couple of games. Where are we at on this? I, I don't love hearing that about Lane Gang after after the Portier news. Yeah, I mean they got their five. You know the, the ones that started against Oklahoma. That being, um, I don't know why I'm drawing blank. Leviston, BB, Gillum, Panzer, and Duffy. You, you're going to you got those five, but you're, you're running out of guys that you anticipated playing this year. You really are Dawson Del Forge and Carver Willis are the next interior and tackles probably on the depth chart at this point. Although if something were to happen to a tackle, they probably kick BB back out and don't immediately go to Willis. Um, Chris Kleiman indicated that look, and people can complain a little bit about the depth, but I don't think that would be accurate. Any team that loses two, three offensive linemen that they want to count on is going to be hamstrung to an extent. And Kansas state is. And despite all that, all that adversity, they still haven't allowed a sack since week one. Yeah, certainly hope they can get Langang back, and this isn't in something that's going to be long-term because he's their most versatile offensive lineman. Well, I shouldn't say that. Cooper Beebe is their most versatile guy, but Andrew Langang's right behind him with the ability to play guard and tackle um, and has a promising future. So hopefully this is nothing long-term. Kansas State kind of needs the bye week to get here soon. Uh, they've got two more games, Texas Tech and Iowa State, and then hopefully they can get some guys that are dinged up Back to 100%. D.Y., do you have anything else you can offer on the Lane Gang situation? I, I mean, it's medical, but I don't think it's injury-related. I think they don't know what they're dealing with yet, so that's why there's no timetable. You know, I, I almost – you guys were talking about this in the group chat, and I went back and listened to Chris Kleiman actually saying it. I The way he kind of left it, he was like, is there like an outside, outside chance he could be available? This week, like they get good news and then everything's. Yeah, I mean, 
anything is on the table. I think they just like literally they're they're just checking off a lot of boxes to make sure nothing, you know, they're not endangering anything. But I think they just, you know, they don't know what they're dealing with yet. You, they're waiting on test results to come back, taking further tests. I think they're very being very precautionary um, with whatever it is that he's dealing with. Okay. Well, we have talked a lot of offense here. We have not talked a bunch about the defense. Uh, it was interesting listening to Chris Kleiman's thoughts about the defense. Said they, they weren't great throughout, but they stood tall and were great in certain situations, a la the bend but don't break style, really, that they played against Oklahoma. One guy that we've seen making plays all year and probably hasn't gotten enough run on this podcast is a man who lives up to his name, and that is Kobe Savage. And uh, D.Y. had a chance to catch up with him in our, our D.Y. Sunday conversation, our D.Y. three-mock conversation uh, coming up here with uh, Kobe Savage. Derek Young with the three-mock podcast, with the three-mock conversation of the week. Kansas State just got off the win against Oklahoma Texas Tech this week. I'm here with safety Kobe Savage. This is your first year in Manhattan. Just how would you take it all in so far, and how would you describe your experience? Uh, it's It's been a roller coaster. I mean, when I first got here, it was snowing. I was never used to nothing like that, but I've enjoyed it a lot. The people here are really nice. Uh, I just enjoy the atmosphere. It feels like everybody's a, one big family. Uh, the team has brought me in. Just different experiences. I really love it here. I enjoy the football, the coaches, and all our support staff. You've been described as probably the biggest football junkie on this team. I think you've even told us before in previous media sessions that you've slept here in Veneer before. What kind of goes into that? Um, I know I've spoke to your father. I think that's almost a family thing, too. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, ever since I was in high school, I just love watching film, just love watching guys move around, just see different techniques and mannerisms that they have that maybe I could steal or copy or just use within my game to help me be better. So just watching different uh, different other players, such as like NFL players, maybe even some high school guys that I could steal from, it, it just helps my game a lot. Is there any NFL guys that you do model your game after? Uh, I'd say I like Ed Reed, Buda Baker, uh, I love Minka Fitzpatrick, and I really like Jalen Petrie. Those are pretty good, pretty good examples. Uh, first year of Power 5 football, you came here from the Juco life. Um, I imagine that's a pretty stark contrast between the two. But that win against Oklahoma on Saturday and, and the celebration afterwards, the jubilation in the locker room, I imagine that's why you came to Kansas State. Oh, definitely. I, I already knew whenever I got here that playing Oklahoma and the, all these other big Power 5 schools is a big deal to – Kansas State and winning those games is very important and I knew that coming from the Juco level I had to come I had to bring with it my A game every single game but yeah whenever we got back to the locker room it was a great celebration and Coach Kleiman was jumping around dancing it was it was amazing I never experienced anything like that. When the team comes back from road games like that um, even if it's 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning at this which was the case on Saturday you get greeted when you come back to Veneer and you kind of have like a homecoming of sorts with the the band and even a bunch of fans come to that that was the first time you saw that. Um, what did that mean to you? It meant the world, just knowing that you got a fan base that's willing to stay up to 3 a.m. to come and support you and cheer you on. It was really a nice experience, and thank you to the band and uh, their director for all that. that. I really enjoyed that a lot. One of the things you said early on in the year to me and uh, when, when we spoke in another media session is that you treat everyone like Alabama. Um, obviously, that didn't necessarily work the, the last time, you know, after the Missouri win, which is another emotional high for you guys, and you lost the following week to Tulane. Is that a learning experience from this time where you guys, you know, another emotional high when you defeat Oklahoma? Next week, you got to, you know, recalibrate for Texas Tech. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a completely new week. Oklahoma is out the picture. Texas Tech is who our main focus is. We're not going to get too high or stay too low. We're just going to stay level-headed, neutral thinking like uh, Ben Newman tells us all the time. And we're just going to go into this game just thinking we're the underdogs and that we got something to prove again. Chris Kleiman called it 12 one-week seasons. Has, has the team bought into that mindset at this point? Oh, yes, sir, definitely, especially after the win against Oklahoma. He was telling us, like, I mean, the fans are going to be – with us when we win or sometimes maybe against us when we lose. So it's a one-week season. Uh, every game is going to matter the most to us about our season. Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Offenses, are I don't think, are identical. But is there enough crossover where you can use some of that experience against the Sooners and apply it towards the Red Raiders? Oh, for sure, especially in the run game because I feel like most of the teams in the Big 12 run, run a lot of crunch or quarterback draw because we have a lot of experienced backs and talented quarterbacks. So, yeah, especially in the run game, we could definitely use some of the stuff that we used against Oklahoma, against Texas Tech. 
Against Oklahoma, uh, you guys give up 34 points, probably more than you would like. But did you still feel it was a solid performance because of the way you guys were able to get off the field on third and fourth down? Yes, yeah, so I do believe we dominated in third and fourth down, and we limited some explosive plays, but I still think we got some room to fix, like our little zone coverages and some man concepts and just, just tiny things that we could have fixed to uh, lower that deficit. Some of those explosive plays that the Oklahoma was able to produce against you guys, and you obviously don't have to provide me with the details. I don't want the, the nuclear codes <laughs> and Texas Tech listening to this, but was it more of a busted coverage type of situation or kind of losing some of those battles? It was definitely busted coverage. Uh, our one-on-ones, I pick anybody on my team over anybody from Oklahoma, definitely. But, yeah, it was just busted coverage. It's just tiny little things like that. You got some of your teammates starting to get some buzz, you know, from, from the NFL, such as Julius Brents, mm-hmm. Felix Andy, DK Uzama, their names are starting to circulate a little bit more. What is it like playing against those two guys? And did you, you know, the first day you stepped on foot on campus, you know, and started playing alongside them, is, was it one of those situations where those are definitely, you know, future pros? The thing is, like, they're just – it's so crazy just being on a team with them, guys like that, Deuce Vaughn, Adrian, uh, Philip, Malik, all those guys, because they're just normal guys at practice who just compete. They work hard every, in every drill and everything they do. So, I mean, you always know, like, oh, yeah, those are definitely, like, NFL-type guys. But it's just – it's so crazy. But I'm really happy for them that they're getting their buzz that they deserve. They all deserve that. And it's going to be – we're going to have a great season with those guys. Yeah, they're a lot more humble in that yeah, way. For sure. Adrian probably wasn't at his best the first three games, uh, hadn't turned it loose yet. But it, he really seemed to just, like, put that all behind him and – you know, unleash, so to speak, on Oklahoma. I know you guys all love him. He's he's a captain, and no one ever lost faith in him. But just how happy was the team for him on an individual level? Uh, we were really happy, especially whenever he got his hammer after the game. We all hugged him, showed him a lot of love. He deserves it at the end of the day. He he worked his butt off. He didn't listen to anything that, that Twitter was saying or all the fans or other people that were doubting him. Like, none of us did. We all believed in him. Coach Klein, Coach Kleinman, everyone believed in him. And he's a great quarterback, so I'm, I'm glad we have him. At one point in the offseason, and I think it was a, you know, a fair question, the safeties were called the question mark for this defense because we didn't know a whole lot of the guys yeah. that were going to play, namely you and Drake Cheatham, and uh, but even though they did have some returners like T.J. Smith, Sincere Mason. Um, you have risen kind of to the top of that room and, and played the most snaps of anyone, I think. You're playing almost every snap. But just how much – did it mean to your defense to have the quality snaps that you got from guys like T.J. Smith and Drake Cheatham last Saturday, especially when someone like Sincere Mason's kind of limited at this point? Oh, it means a lot. Just having having that depth in the safety room and knowing that if I come out and T.J. goes in, like there's not, not going to be any type of drop-off or Sincere goes in for Drake, there's no drop-off at all. So just having those guys with experience and knowledge of the game and that who really love the game, uh, it's, it's, it's really helpful to our defense and critical. QB run game with Donovan Smith a little bit. He's a little multifaceted in that way. Is that the threat this week, that he can beat you with the legs? Uh, I've seen him on film. He looks pretty fast, but uh, I'm very confident in our linebackers and D-line that they'll just get that crushed and we'll destroy the run game and it'll just be an air raid for for the most part. Last question. What's it like playing for Coach Klanerman? I know he says that you're someone that's you know, just always in his office, so I imagine the two of you are pretty close at this point. Uh, it's really good. I have a close relationship with Coach Klanerman. Uh and it, and it really stems off the fact that he flew all the way to Texas just to come to my JUCO and watch me work out and watch film with me and talk ball with me. I just I knew he was going to be my coach after the recruiting process. I really didn't even need to take a visit up here, but he's a great guy. Uh, my mom and his wife are really close, and I'm really close with his sons. And it's just he's a he's a great coach, and he believes in all of us. So I, I love that uh, we have a relationship like the, like the one we have. All right, thanks. That's Kobe Savage. I'm Derek Young with the Three Mile Conversation of the Week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, there's Kobe Savage. Appreciate him taking some time with Derek earlier this week to chat and break down where he is at on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly a fun guy to watch. Certainly a very fun guy to watch right now on this defense and, and definitely will hit you. He will absolutely hit you. Texas Tech, uh, I know Cole has done exhaustive research on the Red Raiders here, and I know that because about 10 o'clock last night, I'm sitting you know, on my couch just chilling, winding down, and I get a text from Cole's wife. And it's uh, not only a text from Cole's wife, it's a, it's a text from Cole's wife in bed. And uh, what it was was a picture of Cole in his own bed, presumably with his wife there. And Cole has a notebook full of notes scribbled everywhere and is like staring into a phone. And the caption of the text just said, uh, Cole in stat mode, like this is where the magic happens. So Cole, I know you've been I know you've been hard at work doing doing research on Texas Tech. I just wanted to let the people know how how dedicated you are to this cause. Uh, I'm sure the people were a little nervous where that story was going. Our listeners in the first thirty <laughs> seconds there, as you were teeing that up, uh, it's called telling a good story. Cole, it was a good story. Uh, yeah, I was uh, went up there. She uh, she was making fun of some of my note taking and stats and numbers and uh, yeah, the you know. She she didn't want me up there doing that, but I I decided to take it up to the bedroom last night and do my stat magic. So, anyways, um, <laughs> well we're off the rails again. Uh, let's get on track with the Red Raiders. We can't let this happen again because we know what happened. We went off the rails before Tulane. Let's focus in, guys. Let's that is take true. the Red Raiders seriously yeah. here. Uh, John, you want to? I uh, guess I can just uh, jump right in and talk about Texas <laughs> yeah, Tech. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you want you want? Well, I can give you a synopsis, but I'm going to tell you pretty much the same thing I said the other day. Yeah, I mean, look, I, know, I mean, here, this, here's something, Cole. Let me see if you agree with this. Someone else in the league uh, that covers a different team in the league that uh, was DMing me earlier this week said that uh, Joey McGuire, they are calling him Barry Switzer Jr. because he has like that kind of bravado and and swagger to him. So that, that, that attitude does seem to be, you know, seeping through a little bit to this team. How, how do we feel about Joey McGuire as Barry Switzer Jr.? It uh, seems like maybe an optimistic stretch at this point. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about meant, Joey. I don't think it meant success. Personality, I got you. Yeah, like, I mean, I think, I think he's a guy that the personality really rubs off on his team um, and permeates confidence in his team. So I do think that I think he's going to work out there. I think he's going to be a good hire that they made, Um, you know, but this is a matchup that Kansas state has kind of owned John. I mean, Kansas state's won 10 of the last 11 games dating back to 2011. And um, yeah, but Look, they're, they're three and one. We all know the record. We know what happened. They, they lost at NC State, a top 15 team in the country. They lost on the road 27 to 14. They were expected to lose that game. They were 10 point underdogs. The Houston game, they probably should have lost. They tried to give it away. And, and now we see what Houston looks like. Probably not a, a very good football team. 
so the Texas game is really what you point to. And that was a game they were down 31 to 17 and found, found a way to come back, get it to overtime and win that game. And it's a huge win for them, but I, I don't know what to make of them yet. You know, it's, you think about Texas tech, you think air raid offense, right? And that's what they're doing. They're throwing the ball like crazy, but they're actually only scoring on, they have 2.05 points per drive. That's last in the big 12, which really caught me off guard when I was looking at the numbers that they're last in the big 12 and points per drive. Um, you know, they're not running the ball. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that, you know, what's interesting is Sir Roderick Thompson, who I'd completely forgotten was still on the team had over his over 2000 yards in his career. He's only ran for 168 yards this year. Taj Brooks has run for 169. Those guys are averaging over four yards per carry, but Donovan Smith, the six, five, 230 pound quarterback that replaced Tyler Shuck due to injury earlier, um, has been sacked 13 times. Only, I think, six or seven teams in America have given up more sacks per game than Texas Tech. Uh, and when I think of Texas Tech, I think about getting the ball out in a hurry, right? Not allowing a lot of sacks, getting it out in space and short yardage. Uh, the other thing is the passing game. It's a lot of short, intermediate routes, a lot of quick pass attempts that they're getting out there in space because they're only giving, I think they've got, what, 5.9 yards or 6.2 yards per pass, which is 105th in the country. So they're throwing the ball a ton. Zach Kitley's their offensive coordinator. He's 31 years old. He's a native of Lubbock. Coached under Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury from 2013 to 2017. Came from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky to Texas Tech. And if any of you know the story of Western Kentucky last year, Bailey Zappi was their quarterback. He was the quarterback coach uh, or coached by by Kitley um, and Zappi set the FBS record for passing yards in a single season with nearly 6,000 yards, as well as the passing record for touchdowns in a season with 62 breaking Joe Burrow's record um, that he had at LSU. So they're going to throw it a ton. They averaged 434 yards per passing game leading the country last year at Western Kentucky. So that's kind of Kitley's MO. Uh, they're going to chuck it all over the field, but they've had games where they turn it over a lot. And that's why they're, they're in the hundreds and turnover margin. You throw it that much, you, you tend to be a little turnover happy. What, what what's hurt Donovan Smith is all his his interceptions have been pick sixes. Yeah, They've come back for scores. That's really hurt them. Uh, you said Zach Kittley's age, and it kind of made me think. You know, we get two of the youngest offensive coordinators yeah. in college football playing. Yeah, we, against each other. Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. Um, yeah, and I mean, look, that's really kind of been the mo of Donovan Smith. He's been either terrific or he's just had an awful game. And you think about the the game against Texas, he was really good, 331 yards, I think three touchdowns, one interception. But the NC State game, he had multiple picks. The Houston game, he had multiple interceptions. Uh, but you look at last year, you know, he, he went 15 to 23 for 262 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions on the road at Baylor. But we know how good that Baylor defense was. And then the Iowa State game, he lit Iowa State up in that upset victory that Texas Tech had in Lubbock in that game as well, and also played really well in the bowl against a Mississippi State defense that was top 30 in the country last year. So he's shown flashes of being really good, but he's also, you know, has some games where he's turnover prone, like DUI had mentioned. And, you know, I think that's where Kansas State's defense, if they can get some pressure on him, um, they can force him into some mistakes. And he also takes a lot of sacks. Now, what I will say is, you know, the last couple of games for Kansas State, they haven't had much of a pass rush. Uh, they haven't gotten after the quarterback. And when you look at the numbers, K-State only has a 4% sack rate right, right now, which ranks right around 100th in the country. So it's a little bit surprising they're not able to generate more pressure, but they haven't and had they've any been some, They've been batting some balls down. That, that, yeah. That like three of those against Oklahoma. It's more, it's more about not getting home and in the offenses that they are facing, which are similar to Tech, where you're, you're – you're getting the ball out quick before the pass rush is even there, which is surprising that Tech gives up – that Donovan Smith's taking a lot of sacks. If if they're really in the short passing game, like four or five yards per completion, the sack rate doesn't really make sense. Yeah, they're giving up a 7% sack rate, which is 86th in the country. Um, yeah, and the other – they're 112th in yards per completion at 9.9 per completion. So there's not a ton of explosives in what they're yeah. doing. Like every every number indicates that they're getting the ball out quick but yet he's taken 3.25 sacks per game, which is, you know, one of the worst numbers in college football. So it is a bit of a surprise, um, but teams don't really have to honor the run. They're not running the ball a lot. And at Western Kentucky, they, they ran, they passed the ball, I think 
of their offensive plays, which was top three in the country. So they, they're just, they're going to air it out. They're throwing the ball 75% of their plays right now at Texas tech. So teams can kind of pin their ears back. And on the pass rush point that I made to be fair, Nate Matlack really hasn't played the last two games opposite of Felix. So they've been missing him. And I also don't think Kansas state's bringing a ton of pressure. I'd have to look back at it, but I feel like there's been a lot of three man uh, drop an eight. You can't really against, they couldn't really against Oklahoma for the tech thing too. It's either that people are honoring or teams are honoring the Texas tech run game, which is, you know, makes sense or the receivers aren't getting open. Well, the other thing to remember too about tech is they're, they're, they're going to go for it on fourth down a lot. They did eight times against Texas. Now, I, I guess maybe Joey McGuire doesn't feel like this is quite the sense of urgency game that Texas was, but I would imagine you're going to see a pretty aggressive strategy out there. So a lot of times you're going to be playing an extra down there out there for the defense. So if if they want to be Ben but don't break again, I mean, there's going to be an opportunity, I would imagine, there if you can be good in, in third and fourth down in short yardage situations, you could be all right. And, you know, maybe, maybe we get some more rock – Rock the baby. My my dad. How does how does Felix do it? It's like uh, like that. This kind of thing. You know. Maybe we'll get some. We gotta hold the baby. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm 33 and single. All right. I don't know much about holding babies. Okay. So you gotta be easy with me there. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some of those from Felix. Do you have anything else, Cole, that we're missing on uh, Texas Tech defensively? We haven't really talked about the defense. I guess. Well, the the, the defense has kind of been the storyline where they've made been a lot some- better. Yeah, meaningful improvement. I mean, they're giving up 2.03 points per drive, which is 58th in the country. They only allowed three yards per carry versus Houston. They allowed three yards per rush against NC State as well. Um, Really actually bottled up NC State's offense. It was the turnovers that hurt Texas Tech in that game. Texas Tech outgained them, held NC State to below 300 yards of total offense. Uh, So the run defense has actually been pretty solid. They're giving up 3.7 yards per rush against their three FBS opponents, which is 50th in the country. Uh, five and a half yards per play, 64th in the country, 5.1% sack rate, 78th. I mean, look, it's all relative. Those are still meaningful improvements for Texas Tech when you consider where they were as a defense. Um, 12 and a half yards per completion, 86. They're 65th in pass efficiency D and 6.8 tackles for loss per game, which is tied for 29th in the country. Actually, K-State's also defense is at 6.8 tackles for loss per game. Uh, you know, the really the storyline is Tim DeRuiter came in as the defensive coordinator um, under Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire is also a defensive minded coach. Uh, so that's led to some of the turnaround. Now, DeRuiter came from Oregon. He was the defensive coordinator there last year. They were not good at Oregon last year, 85th in the country in points per drive. But he then he was at Cal right before that. Uh, one of the years when he was at Cal as the D.C., they uh, they were ninth in the country in points per drive. So look, he's a he's a quality football coach. He's a quality defensive mind, and I think he's instilled some toughness and physicality in that defense. And they're certainly playing better. So it's not like the Texas Tech defenses of old, where Kansas State's just going to be able to line up probably and run it right down their throats. I mean, Texas with Bijan Robinson, Bijan was fine, but 16 carries, 103 yards. Um, they averaged five yards per carry. It wasn't anything like seven, eight yards per carry in that game. So. They've been respectable against the run. I'll say this about Texas Tech, too. When we say, I mean, K-State has dominated the series recently, which they have. Last two years, it's been by the skin of their teeth, right? I mean, it was 25-24, I believe. Awkward score last year with that game and the safety mixed in there. And then in 2020, that was the, like, have to throw a pass to Deuce Vaughn, like a little angle route to Deuce Vaughn to to get the game-winning touchdown late, right? So they've they've been very close games that K-State has played with Tech here recently. Our uh, creative names continue. Quick hitters, quick hitters this week. I'm going to start you out with this. Uh, more likely outcome the rest of the way. Oklahoma wins out or Oklahoma loses multiple games the rest of the season. Which which is more likely for the Sooners? Lose multiple games. In this league, um, winning out is almost impossible, I think. Yeah, I'm going to take losing multiple games as well, John. Um, I need to look at their schedule again. I know they got TCU this weekend, which yeah, I mean, honestly, tough. if they they could lose that, I still think Oklahoma's up. probably the best team. If I still had, if you backed me in the corner and made me pick one, but I still think, yeah. Well, in the Texas game, always kind of feels like a coin flip, especially the way they played each other. So that feels like a coin flip type game on a neutral field. So. Um, I'll take multiple losses and I'll be really interested to see what they do against TCU. And to be honest, if you're a Kansas state fan, at least for me, I want Oklahoma to win. I don't want the narrative to shift 
this early that, oh, it's because Oklahoma wasn't a very good team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So I, I don't, we don't need that coming into the picture. Uh, plus you already have, you know, one of the big things about last weekend was Texas and Oklahoma losing is they're both 0-1 now in the Big 12. And those are thought to be two of the primary contenders for getting to Arlington. So it's it's meaningful to, for Kansas State to be 1-0 and out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, look, I have to take multiple losses. That's, that's what I've been on this whole year. That Oklahoma was like a nine and three kind of a team. So I, I will, I will definitely join you guys with that too. Although, yes, I would prefer that it waits until later on in the season. Uh, K State is ranked. Shout out to the AP top twenty-five for keeping the cats in, keeping the Jayhawks out. You know, I've always said I'm an AP man. I follow the <laughs> AP poll to a T, and uh, so I'm glad to have that vindicated this week by the cats. A- a- AP style there. Yeah, AP style. I write AP style. I mean, anything Associated Press, I am all about it. In fact, DY, if you could get an Associated Press helmet mixed into your helmet. Oh, really, sure. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, but K-State has been ranked in each one of Chris Kleiman's four seasons now. They just have not stayed in the polls for very long. So how many weeks will K-State be ranked this year in total? Not consecutively here, but in total, how many weeks will K-State be ranked this year? I got to think about it. So cold go. I didn't read the outline. I well, didn't know the yeah. Well, while you're thinking about that, DY, let me pitch a question to John. John, has Kansas State lost each of the ensuing weeks after getting yes. ranked all four, three years, the previous three? Or in 2020, I feel like they might have maybe won an additional game because they started four and one. Right? Yeah, 2020, probably not because it was it was Oklahoma, then you backed it up with Tech, and then you backed it up winning at TCU, and that was when Will Howard was still playing quarterback. So they, they yeah, won a couple I, of games after that. Yeah, I think 2019 and 2021, they got ranked after 3-0 and non-con starts, right? Snuck into the top 25 and then went to Oklahoma State both those years and lost those games. Yeah. So, look, yeah, it uh, you, you need to stay in the top 25. Um, you need to build some momentum on that and capitalize on it and stay relevant. We talked about that last week and being relevant in the college football picture for the longer term. And so to answer your question, I think this is a team that can get to Arlington. So I'm going to say, how many weeks do we have left in the eight? Eight, eight or nine? Nine eight. with the bye? Okay. Nine. I'm going to say eight. Eight weeks. Wow. Actually, okay. no, 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 no. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say eight because there's a chance they lose to Iowa State and they drop out. I think they're going to beat Tech. Cole, um, I'm really going to need you to get on board next week with Iowa State. Really going to need you to get on board for that game. Okay. Well, I'll try my best. Just pretty nervous about that one. I can see. How could you be nervous? They are 20 and a half point underdogs to Kansas tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I see what you're going with there. I was like, I, I'm not getting the reference here. Do you want like do I? I got on, it. I got it. I, I, got I got it. it. It took me a second. Look, I have them. I think they beat Tech, Iowa State, and TCU six and one, and I think they could lose to Oklahoma State six and two. But you would probably still remain ranked at that point. Oh, I they think. would stay in. Yeah, they would stay in if that's the scenario because Oklahoma yeah. State's ranked top ten. I mean, if they got yeah. to six and one, K State's going to be in the top fifteen. Yeah, sure. so I think they stay at that point. Um, beat Texas. Then if they lose to Baylor, it would put them seven and three. But they probably still stay in. So probably the rest of the year. I mean, look, I I want to be as optimistic as you guys. I'm trying to think if they can get through the next two. Maybe even if you stumble in Fort Worth, you you probably build yourself up. To like I did have them losing at Fort Worth in my prediction before the season. I don't know. Let me just blindly throw a dart and say six. Six, all that which is basically means is like one dollaring you all, all one dollar. Right. Price is right. Um, which program wins more games over the next five years, K State or Texas Tech? Both K State and Texas Tech had their big wins last week. They're both recruiting at a higher clip right now. Texas Tech has the twenty fourth ranked class in twenty twenty three. K State obviously with Avery Johnson has seen an uptick in in recruiting here and what they're doing in the state of Kansas. Still might land Joseph Randall. Still might land Josh Manning. Um, and I would say both schools in a relatively similar spot when it comes to resources. So who would you pick to win more games over the next five years? I'll say Kansas State because they're starting out at a higher point. McGuire still in the middle of the build, so to speak. They both have a chance to – and I know it's it's kind of a bad thing that they have a chance to do this, but they both have really a chance to capitalize on the Big 12 realignment as well. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting the schedule and how that shakes out as well over the next couple of years with the realignment and the realigned conference. But uh, I will take Kansas State, but I do think Texas Tech is on the upswing and think yeah. they're going to be better consistently under Joey McGuire. Well, the tough part is, yes, maybe McGuire is a little bit behind this year, but I mean, what happens next year? You know, I mean, I, now th- I say this not knowing the ins and outs of Texas Tech's roster and what losses they'll be taking, but we anticipate K-State taking a pretty big hit this this coming year, this coming offseason, right? Um, yeah, but like building a culture and everything like that and having all the pieces in place, that's just further along, and that infrastructure still buys you a win or two every year and maybe one that doesn't have that doesn't get that but I do think here I'll put it this way going forward and I know if the two teams are listening to this they would have a a reason to be invested in it because they hate each other at this point it's Texas Tech and TCU that's really budding rivalry all of a sudden I think Tech's in a better spot going forward I agree because I think Joey McGuire is just far more dynamic than than Sonny Dykes so I I totally agree with that I guess with our question I, I will just take K State, but I feel like it's out of purely being a homer there. I mean, I think it's a pretty kind of a push, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a yeah. pretty pretty even battle uh, with both over the next five years. Uh, okay, what's the better outcome for K State on Saturday, an Iowa State win or a Kansas win? Iowa State, yeah, Iowa State. I I because I, if, if Iowa State loses that. I think there's just a better chance of them responding to, to the next game when they play Kansas State because they'll be pissed off, hungry, you know, desperate for a win. They're at home, like, and it's better to for Kansas State purposes to maybe get Iowa State having you know that hunger satisfied with the win at KU. I and I I'll, I would take Iowa State minus three because I don't think Matt Campbell's going to uh, have his team sleepwalking into Kansas. I think Kansas has their attention now, and they are hungry for a win. My my thinking is more. I, I think Iowa State's going to come in fired up for Kansas State, no matter the result of the Kansas game. I I think they're going to black out the stadium and wear their all blacks. Everyone wants to make those jokes. I'm sure that's what they're going to do with it being a night kick. It's going to be a hard place to win at night. Um, I think they'll come in motivated no matter what. But my thought is just for the sake of kind of putting a halt to some of the hype around Kansas. Um, I think it's better for, for Iowa state to win that game. Hype around Kansas. I mean, it's not like sports illustrated had them in the sugar bowl this week or anything. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, maybe let's, let's tone it down a little bit with that. I mean, I'm with you. The only resistance I would provide there is uh, perhaps Iowa State, a program which has be, become accustomed to losing five games a year. If they lose a, a second game here in a row, there are some frustrations mounting. Um, specifically, if Deckers has a bad game against a not very good Kansas defense, I mean, do they have some quarterback questions there? Um, and at the same time, I just, those guys have been relentless in my mentions over one tweet about Matt Campbell. In a, in a sea of about 300 tweets that I sent out in the 24 hours after the Oklahoma game. So I'm not crazy about them right now, but I will say, yes, I would I would pull for Iowa State this weekend. Fortunate for Iowa State fans is Lance Leipold is probably a more attractive candidate, candidate than Matt Campbell now. So, I, Just ju- judging by my Nebraska fan friend that I talk to most every day, he is much more in on Leipold than he is uh, Matt Campbell right now. So, yeah, he's, he's a hotter name all of a sudden. John. Weird, oh. because I thought, you know, I thought Matt Campbell was, you know, I thought he was like – you know, Newt Rockney combined with Bill Belichick, you know, just like fused into one guy. So I don't, it's, it's crazy to me that Lance Leipold is overtaking him already. John, please tell me you're going to ask the sub bullet question that you have as well beneath that. I sure am. That's how we're going to finish off. Uh, the worst problem to have, would you rather have a leaky press box, which is what they have in Ames or porta potties as public restrooms, which of course is what they have at Memorial stadium in Lawrence. Worst I problem think- to have. I think a worst problem I have would probably be the porta potties in Lawrence because that's more visual to the public. The public doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily know what happens in the press box. Exactly. DY got it. So porta potties, thousands of people see and are impacted. Nobody cares about us poor media hacks in the press box. I mean, yes, we're not but but I feel like we almost had computers ruined the last time yeah. I was there. Yeah, that's true. That was it's 2018, funny. right? That was Snyder's yeah. Snyder's last game. Amazingly, amazingly, that press box is still better than Penn State's. Well, all I know is that there was water leaking in from the roof, and it it put. I thought it was a plumbing leak. Lots of valuable electronics 
uh, that were that were you know at peril there. Yeah, well, I think it was a plumbing leak, John. I don't know that. Uh, I just know it was coming from the. It was coming down from the ceiling. In the well, uh, yeah. Well, that's nice little hundred foot square foot press box they got their names, like I said. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you can see great. it with a magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, this see Cole. Don't you want to go revisit the whole thing next week? I'm trying to trying to work on Cole to get uh, get some tickets. Trying, John's trying to get me to go to Ames, and that's just not good for me to be around every, them. But every, every time we go to Ames, there's a freaking blizzard. Well, I don't think we'll not... have to worry about that. But uh, John and I might need to bring our boat in case there's some yeah. rain and everything, and wear our masks for the mold. It's true. Uh, lead pipe lock of the week. Lead pipe lock of the week. Lock of the week time. Cole is three and one. Dy and I are two and two. Uh, I'll, I'll start you off this week because this time I think I have a pick that you guys actually agree with or think is smart. Okay. And that is UCLA plus two and a half against uh, Washington, getting two and a half points against the Washington team. They got a ton of shine for smashing Michigan State, but Michigan State now looks really bad. By the way, Scotty Hazelton, former K-State defensive coordinator. Michigan State fans not real happy with him uh, right. right now. And uh, UCLA, UCLA's won seven in a row. You guys realize that? Bruins have won seven in a row. They're rolling. And, and, yes. and listen – they will be playing in front of a raucous crowd at the Rose Bowl, okay? If there's you one made, thing we know, it will be totally insane at the Rose Bowl for this one. I I don't hate your UCLA pick, and I probably would have taken it any other week, but I faded Washington the last three weeks, and they've covered the last three weeks. So that's a stay away from me. Yeah, John, can you imagine a Friday night primetime kick at the Rose Bowl? I mean, there's going to be at least 25,000 people there. So <laughs> – you, you stole think, my thunder. Think, I was going to make. You think 25K yeah. are going to be there? Uh, well, I don't know. thought so, maybe. I don't know. So, well, anyways, uh, I like that pick, John. Um, in fact, that was one I was considering taking, but I'll take something else. And I'll take uh, Kentucky plus six and a half on the road at number 14, Ole Miss. I just I like it. I really like I really like Kentucky This and Mark Stoops. And they just they play so solid home or away. I don't think they're impacted by road atmosphere. Uh, plus, Ole Miss just snuck by Tulsa last week, the 35-27. So, I think Kentucky's the better team. I'll take the six and a half. Okay. I'm going to do the helmet thing again. Here we go. Missouri plays wow. Georgia this week. Georgia is a 28-point favorite. Missouri's not any good. Um, they have the Luther Burden drama, I understand. And Georgia just – Kind of slept walk the entire game against Kent State. A lot of field goals. Just kidding. I'm sorry, Missouri. Georgia cover. <laughs> I, was, I was thrown off. Minus I was, 28, Georgia. Uh, we DY's pulling the Lee Corso. We just got Lee corso by DY. With did. I, next time when I drop an F-bomb, I'm, I've made the full transformation. Yeah. How many? Okay, how many helmets are we up to now that you've purchased? Well, I have like uh, 18 or 20. Around there, okay. we, we should have some concerns. I actually wanted your... Kentucky to be my lead pipe lock, and I chose not to because I don't have the Kentucky helmet. Well, that's what I was going to say for our listeners. I'm a little concerned. Dy is dictating his betting choice guidance to you just based off helmets and not what he truly feels is. Well, I best. I love that pick. Oh. I, I picked the one that of the helmets yeah. I have. Yeah, guys, if you guys want another, I'm telling you, take this one to the bank too. UTSA four and a half point favorite against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee just destroyed Miami on the road last week, coming off the biggest win in school history. I think it's a, a wise idea to fade them, especially against a program that's been pretty good here lately with UTSA. I agree with that. I also like Oklahoma minus six and a half in a bounce back spot. I don't like TCU at all, so I like Oklahoma. And I th- no, me and Cole both think Arkansas covers the 17 and a half against Alabama. Yeah. Mm, we'll see okay uh prediction prediction what are you feeling for k-state and tech i like kansas state comfortably i think they cover uh you know this this series usually has a, like a lot of weird scores so I, I think it'll be like 36 to 20 i think this will be higher scoring than than people think and we're if we're wearing the power cats we don't lose that's what I was going to pitch it to, D.Y. I was going to say, is Old Glory appearing again. Old Glory. All right, just I like before get Old Glory. That is no, for no the alternate helmet. We're wearing Old Glory. Kansas State 36 to 20. Before the OU game, you made that pitch, and look, it works. So we're going to stick with that until it doesn't work. I'm going to take Kansas State 31 to 20. Uh, I think they cover the spread like D.Y. And I think they force a couple of turnovers and mistakes by Texas Tech. Uh, so I, I think the defense is going to have a kind of a bounce-back game here. 
I still think it's a game that'll come down to the last possession. I think the defense makes a stop. K State wins twenty-seven to twenty. Um, relatively close game, pretty competitive. We all I mean, three think Texas Tech scores twenty. Oh yeah, we do. yeah we do. Oh. We should we should make a bet on that, like the exact point total for Texas Tech, and see if it hits. Yeah, yeah. Is that a thing you can do? I don't know these. I don't know these apps well enough. Well, apparently you can push alternate lines out to 20 and a half. So I didn't know that. So. Um, Kansas State minus 15 and a half this week, boys. <laughs> That's the DY line. That's the DY line. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, on that note, we will uh, we'll mosey on out of here. There's your Texas Tech preview. Everybody make sure you focus up. Have better focus than us. Only think about the Red Raiders this week. No more Oklahoma highlights. None of that because we all know it's, it's on you as the fan. And it's on us as the podcasters and us as the media to make sure that everybody's focus is dialed in uh, in the right place. In all seriousness, uh, we appreciate the work of Jed Marshall and Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, as always, uh, helping produce this thing. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3 Mom. We'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.